Welcome back to the True Crime Guys podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Michael. All right, we got a hell of a case for you this week. Yes, we do. One in my neck of the woods down here in the Carolinas. Down in the Carolinas. Oh, man, I actually heard about some of the uh, cases or some of the murders that we'll talk about in this case. I remember when they broke and how scary some of them were. Yeah, there was there was several unsolved situations in this one for a long time. Yes. This yes. creep almost got away with many murders. Oh god, so close. He got it's so scary close. To, and he wouldn't have stopped. The motorcycle either. shop one is so brazen that it's it's scary that, to think that someone could get away with that for as long as he did, you know. I know. I, I hate to I don't want to give anything away, but that is one in particular that stands out in my mind. Yeah. I mean, I remember I remember my parents talking about it. They're like, yeah, some guy just goes to this motorcycle shop and just kills everybody. What? Oh, God. Like, that shit just don't... Like, you know, we just ain't used to hearing that kind of stuff, especially not in small towns. You know, I think that happened I think it hits close to home for us, too, because that's the type of place we would be on. I mean, growing up, I was always going to those places, motorcycle shops. Yes, always. You know, you too, I'm sure. Yes, I was always... You know, my four-wheelers and dirt bikes and shit were always in the shop getting repaired and whatnot. I mean... Yeah, you felt like you kind of knew. I, I mean, I didn't know this shop in particular, but I felt like right. I you knew know, a lot you of people like this. Of, I know, yeah. yeah, exactly. And these, and it was just a small, like mom and pop type shop. Usually, those are the best shops to go to, you know, because they're worried about oh, yeah. their reputation, they're worried about their name in the town, and they've grown up in the town. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's a few yeah. in Vegas that, that are well known, like Sam Cycle, for instance, has been around, been a staple in the right. Vegas community for a long time for everybody that goes riding in the dunes and things like that. Yeah. Super nice guy. Right on. But yeah. Um, and this is also the type of guy that uh, leaves a ton of reviews on Amazon and things like that. One of those people. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> I, had a, I had a blast reading his reviews. Holy this, shit. It's This case sticks out in that aspect where I've never, we've never done a case where the killer is literally reviewing the items that you use for murder. Like shovel. Yeah, this is great when you're burying a body or a knife. Like, oh, I can't wait to use this to stab someone. And everyone I'm sure that saw the review just kind of had a little giggle. Like, oh, that's, that's cute or whatever. Like, exactly. He's serious though. He literally is like reviewing a padlock and there's a, a woman padlocked with a, the same lock right now in a fucking shipping container. So it's yeah. a, it's an insane case. This case also will make you rethink all the all the creepy memes and shit that you see, like uh, on our closed group, for instance, on Facebook. Yeah. Um, this will make you rethink some of those because he is one of these people that would share these types of things where you think, oh, ha, that's hilarious. Or those kind of awkward people you meet where they make you know weird jokes all the time about stuff like, oh yeah, I could, I could kill somebody, blah blah blah. It's like. Yeah, I, I do. I do jokes like that too, but it's just some some people like you get a vibe where you're like, I don't, I don't know if he's actually joking or not. This was that guy. Yes, like, and you should trust was, those vibes. Everybody that met it was like, he was a little weird and off, and like he made weird jokes, and it was hard to tell if he was actually joking or not. He actually was not joking. Right. And and as as we find with a lot of these killers, they want to tell people. They want to. Oh yeah. Talk about he their exploits. Wanted to. He wanted yeah. the credit for it. Yeah. Oh God, so bad. Yeah. All right. Well, let's not give away too much, man. Like we always do. <laughs> Let's get into it. The case of Todd Kolop. Let's do it. I mean, their, their entire mission was to get out that door. That's all they, that's all they wanted. So then where, what did you do? Went out to the front parking lot, and I put, um, I put a round through the guy's forehead. And then what did you do? Proceeded to walk back to the building again to clear. And as I went, proceeded to 
case this week is a lesser known serial killer uh working in recent times this is only a few years old too recent um yeah far too recent and he he i mean he was actually successful modern serial killer if you think about it he got away with it for a long time and it was kind of a freak occurrence that got him caught um leaving one of his victims alive to be found that was the mistake he made i suppose right well she appealed to his ego which we've seen before Yes, appealing definitely. to that ego. If you want to survive, that's a definite, a definite method, right? Especially is to appeal to especially the ego. if you're already in their clutches. You know, if you're not in their clutches, mm-hmm. fight. But yes, if you're already in their clutches, we sh- you know what? We should come up with like a manual <laughs> based off of all of our studying of extensive study of serial killers over the course of four or five years. We've been doing yeah. this. We should come up with a survival manual if you are to come in contact. <laughs> With a potential serial killer, the, the step one: if can you get away? Are you in a public place? Run! Do not just go willingly with them anywhere. Right. Step two: you know, if you are in their clutches, if you are a, a, a female that they are infatuated with or whatever, play to their ego to buy yourself time. Yes. You know, just this—that's what uh, this person did, and it, it, it made her survive. She's so. alive today because of it. Yep. Yep. So let's let's start with. Uh, a couple that goes missing to start this case off, and then we'll progress from there. So on August 31st, 2016, Kayla Brown, who was 30 years old, and her boyfriend, Charles David Carver, who was 32, of Anderson County, South, South Carolina, went missing. They had dinner plans that evening with a friend, but they didn't show up. Their home was exactly how it had been left. Uh, Kayla's Pomeranian was there, and it had uh, an empty food and water bowl, which was totally out of character for Kayla. She pampered this, this Pomeranian. <laughs> As most Pomeranians um, are pampered yeah <laughs> they deserve yeah. it um exactly if you have a pomeranian and you're not pampering it I don't what know are what you doing? doing like they're made to be pampered yeah um and kayla's mother would have a quote about uh, her relationship with her dog she said quote she wouldn't leave him she wouldn't leave him without food she wouldn't leave him without water that was her baby um so yeah, yeah this that. is totally out of character and it was odd that everything was left in place at their apartment 
Um, her her close friend told police that she had dinner with uh, with her boyfriend on August 29th at her apartment in Anderson Crossing Apartments. Uh, she spoke to, to Kayla the next day, but after the text on the morning of August 31st, all communication ceased. Uh, when they went to the apartment complex, the police, they found Kayla's car in the parking lot. Her contact lenses and glasses had been left behind as well. So yeah. very much doesn't seem like a planned trip or anything like right. that. This was something that happened. It does not look good at all. No. They also, the police also contacted Kayla's cell phone pr- uh, service provider and found out that she had been, uh, she had no activity on the phone for 48 hours and they were unable to ping the phone's location initially. Uh, Charles, her boyfriend, had been seen uh, by surveillance footage leaving work that day um, and not seen again. His mother also filed a missing persons report on her son and told police that she had been unable to reach him since August 29th. She said she also checked the apartment and it appeared no one had been there in a while. So she says, um, his mother, Charles's mother, says, this is just so out of character for him. If anybody knows anything, please call and leave a tip. I'm begging you, please. Mm. Uh, it's the most emptiest feeling I've ever had. It's like a constant pain in your head. Your arms feel like strings. You want to reach out, but there's nothing to hold on to because you're reaching for your son and he's not there. God, I, heartbreaking. Dude, I've never heard it described like that. You know, in all yeah, the cases and all the parents of missing children, that is, that's just a detrimental way to describe it, isn't it? It, it Like, it really paints a yeah. picture. Like, I haven't felt that before, and God, I hope I never have to, but Seriously. your arms feel like strings and you want to reach out, but there's nothing to hold on to. Like that's yeah. that's heartbreaking from a parent's standpoint. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if if Charlie had siblings or not, but I think that would maybe help soften the blow because you could maybe hug on to one of your other children, you know. Yeah. And you have mutual love for each other, and uh, both suffering the same pain of missing the uh, your sibling or your child. Right. But uh, like we've done cases where like a like a dear Zachary, for instance, where uh, Andrew Bagby's parents. They were, he was their only child, and I'm, I'm sure they felt that same way that uh, Charlie's mother's oh, describing God, you it, know you know, it. nothing to hold on to. Mm. So back to this case. Friends and family uh, had passed out posted and posted flyers in the hopes that it would help the investigation, but days went by and the couple's families feared for the worst. Then, two weeks after their disappearance on September 1st, 2016, Charlie's Facebook suddenly came alive, and it had announced that he and Kayla had gotten married. Oh, really? Yeah. And just didn't tell anybody. Yeah. yeah. Very bizarre. Very bizarre. Because also, mm-hmm. he was not he was not known to use his Facebook. He had a profile, but it was just kind of dormant, as are many at right. this point, I think. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people don't quite want to ditch that Facebook in case you need to look somebody up, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's also <laughs> like, like a Facebook scrapbook. Is... It's like a memory thing. You have some old photos in there. And like if you ever yes. do need to contact someone... Um, maybe you have some distant mm-hmm. relatives in there that you, if you need to message them about something, you can. But that seems right. to be the way Charlie, you know, what he, the way he used his. It wasn't frequently updated, and all of a sudden it's That's probably how his, I use it too. <laughs> yeah, they haven't been seen for two weeks, and all of a sudden he's updating his Facebook about him and Kayla's right. relationship. Yeah. It was it was definitely seen as odd to his friends and family. Oh, yeah, and then it just only got yeah. weirder from there. A week after that, a message was briefly posted to the account stating that the couple was fine, and then it was deleted. Um, and there were mm. so many friends and family that were starting to comment back and like, what is going on, Charlie? Like, why are you not asp- responding to anybody? Like, wh- where are you? Yeah. Um, That's probably why it got deleted. He uh, probably had an overwhelming response. Probably realized like, oh shit, that- I'm, I'm acting in, in a fashion that Charlie would not act. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. This is, yeah. People are, this is actually going to draw more attention. Yes. 
yeah. to what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. So then suddenly the page began posting more and more news stories. Oh, maybe we're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, never mind. Well, Scratch no, no. As far idea, as like the posting about themselves or, or maybe the, yeah. the killer here just decided to, you know, like, fuck it. I'm just going to now toy with these people anyway. Um, yeah. New- I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure it was a thrill. I mean, there's plenty of people who do that and don't kill people and get a rush out of it every day. Right. Just go on and troll. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine, imagine trolling, but you're telling the truth. Yeah. Oh, so sadistic. Yeah. So uh, Charlie's Facebook started getting uh, started posting news stories about their mis- the missing couple, uh, basically him and his girlfriend, uh, appearing in rapid fire succession, along with other stories about missing people. Strange, violent images and memes began being posted on the Facebook page. Uh, one stating, "Quote: If I weren't crazy, I'd be insane." Sometimes late at night, I dig a hole in the backyard to keep the nosy neighbors guessing. See, that's what I was talking about. We've seen posts like that every day. Yeah. Oh, see, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. being in the true crime field, you see posts like that every single day, yep. whether they're on closed groups or just on Instagram or whatever, and no one thinks anything about it. Nope. Yeah, you, get, you giggle a little bit, and you're like, oh, that's cute, or whatever, and then you move on. Right. But this is so terrifying. It's going to make me, like, second guess all of those posts. <laughs> no, especially, you it, This is a one in a million No, sh- no case I'm saying, here. especially if it's like a person who only posts that stuff. Yeah. Like, if I look back on your Instagram and the last 20 posts have been, like, weird, creepy shit about murders, like, and you're not, like, some weird murder page. Um, yeah, and if their profile pic how... is really them and they look like a creep driving a van or something, then you're like, all right, this is a little off. Yeah. Like, maybe unfollow. Yeah. Or maybe follow for updates. Yeah. Hmm? Try to catch this bastard. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't know. So one post was a photograph that simply included the final lines to a Hotel California, uh, the song by the Eagles. Quote, last thing I remember, I was running through the door. I had to find the passage back to the place I was before. Uh, Relax, said the night man. We are programmed to receive. You can check out anytime you like, but you can't never leave. That last Mm. line, you can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. Yeah. It seems very this is, eerie now, knowing that he had a woman c- held captive in a storage container at the time that he posted that, and he was posting it from her boyfriend's phone. Very eerie. But you know what? This has come up before, Hotel California. In another case, another killer that we did, and I, I can't think of them off the top of my hand, my head, but if, if somebody knows, mm. hit us up. But there was some other killer that was obsessed with the Eagles and Hotel California as well. And and I'm sure it was someone who kept hostage, hostages. You know, anybody who does that, I guess, could relate heavily to the song. Right. But it's just, uh, you just see it in such a dark way. I, I when I th- hear that song, I think like riding down a road with my windows down. But when no, you really I think it's about heroin. Words, you know if I'm saying? not mistaken, it's, like, it's talking about like the the yeah. grasp that drugs have over you. If I'm not, yes, if I'm, yes. Yeah. But when you like when you yeah, if you read it literally, it someone instead of figuratively, someone. Yeah, it's it's terrifying, and that's obviously how this guy meant it. Yeah. So Facebook users seeming to be friends and family uh, had desperately asked questions on many posts. On one, a post of a missing poster for the couple, a user wrote, Why the missing poster, Charlie? Is there a message you're trying to send? On October 1st, one commented on the marriage announcement, Where the hell is Kayla Brown? To which Charlie's Facebook account responded, Kayla is with her husband, Charlie. Oof. Why are you talking in third person, Charlie? Yes, (laughs) dude. Just blew your cover right there. Yeah, seriously. Mm, that's weird. On another post, a user asked where Kayla was, to, uh, to which Charlie's account responded, who the fuck are you to question me about my girlfriend? Ooh. 
So getting getting aggressive back. And this yeah. that right there, like the way that this uh, user who was in control of Charlie's Facebook was was corresponding with people was so out of character for Charlie. All of his friends were like, no, Charlie never talked to anyone like this. He was a very nice, uh, cordial person. He would he was never rude right. to anybody, regardless. Even if they came at him in a rude manner, he was always nice back. This just doesn't fit him yeah. at all. Everybody knew that, that knew Charlie, knew this was not him. So this had to be really scary for them. Absolutely. Uh, meanwhile, police had been busy dealing with AT&T and were able to obtain the records from Kayla's cell phone. Now, this is 2016 we're talking about, so we're a lot better at uh, triangulating and things like that. We've had a few cases that were, you know, earlier, and uh, right. it, you know, it, it makes it hard. But cell phones um, run a hidden operating system that is always turned on and sends pings to cell phone towers constantly, always searching for the closest and strongest signal. Cell towers keep a log of those pings, and police are able to use that log to triangulate locations. Investigators also got a hold of a search warrant that allowed them to access Kayla's Facebook page. And that's where they found a message that Kayla had sent to Charlie, her boyfriend, that both of them were missing. Um, she had sent a message to Charlie where she referenced a man named Todd Colip in her Facebook messages. And mm-hmm. so that's where they... What was the... How did she reference him? Do you know? Were you able to find that? They there were they basically had been going to this man, Todd Colip's property. He This man has a like a 100-acre property. And for some side money, they'd been going to his property and helping clean up. It, it was just an unkempt, you know, just crazy like weeds and just very uh, oh, unruly property. And they'd been right. he'd been Todd. This Todd Cole person had been paying them to clean up the yard and whatnot on weekends. And so I think that's the message she was sending to Charlie was about them going to work on Todd's property again. Oh, okay. And so police with this information, and they also were able to triangulate Kayla's phone pings and zero in on a 95-acre property in Woodruff owned by the 45-year-old real estate agent, Todd Colip. And so they they look at this as their biggest lead and, you know, potentially finding this missing couple. They show up to Todd Colip's property with a search warrant. Two weeks before obtaining their search warrant for Colip's property, the Spartanburg County Sheriff's Office flew over the property and realized that they needed to get on the ground because it was just, it was a a place where you could easily hide bodies or anything along those lines if you wanted Uh, to. Yeah, 100 acres. Yeah. (laughs) 100 acres of overgrown land in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That shit's taken over. Yeah, and Todd Kolop had a past when they they looked into him. He had a quite a violent past to him. So I'm sure they were looking at this as a very strong lead. Um, so on November 3rd, uh, yeah. 2016, investigators showed up to Todd's property and surprised him with a search warrant. Now, he had no idea this was coming. There's video, uh, yeah. you know, the camera, body body camera footage of him standing outside his door. And he looked like he had just woken up. He had no idea that they were showing up. Um, and so the property included grassy areas, some covered in waist-high weeds, as well as stands of trees. Most or all of it surrounded by a chain-link fence that was six to seven feet tall. So police began trudging through this property, um, and while they're walking around, they started hearing a banging noise. And as they got closer mm-hmm. to a shipping container on the property, it was like a 30-foot uh, Connex shipping container, the noise mm-hmm. got louder and louder, a banging sound oh, from shit. within it. Um, so they actually had a large metal grinder brought in, and they used the grinder to chop off the lock and gain access to the shipping container. You can see the footage of this rescue of Caleb Brown on YouTube from the police's uh, police footage. 
Um, and she it was in the back of this connex and she was chained like a dog. Basically there was a, a like a, a thing around her neck, a chain around her neck, chaining her to the wall that gave her like a foot and a half or two feet to where she could move around. Um, she had like a little mattress okay. back there and some books and, you know, just like dried foods and whatnot for survival. Um, but yeah, she had been in there at this point for two months. She'd been in there. Oh my God. Yep. And we would two find out, months. we would later find out a lot, lot more about her captivity and the things that were going on with her being in Todd's custody. Kayla Brown immediately told the police when they, when they got in the connex and they asked her, you know, like, who's keeping you in here? She, she had what sounded like a rehearsed statement because she had a lot of time to sit there and think about <laughs> potentially right. her rescue if it ever came. Um, and so yeah. she said, quote, Todd Kolop shot Charlie Carver three times in the chest, wrapped him in a blue tarp, put him in the bucket of the tractor, walked me down here, and I never seen him again. He says he's dead and buried. He says there's several bodies dead and buried out here. That was, she immediately went on it oh. with just a, a tirade telling this, you know, all of these details about what, what had happened. And you- and you know, if he told her all those details, he was planning to kill her yeah. soon. Yep, she was not gonna make it as soon as as soon as her usefulness was gone. He had already done it before. He'd already we would come to later find out yep. he had already held a woman captive there for a little while, and then when he got sick of her, he yep. you know did the same thing. So, right, he can't let him go after telling him all that. No. You know, she had to feel so hopeless. Honestly, Imagine if this dumbass months, Todd hadn't uh, gotten so cocky as to use Charlie's phone. Who knows if the police ever... I mean, maybe with the Facebook messages, they would have tied, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. and they would have gone looking around. But by then, what, how long would that have been? You know, maybe she's already uh, killed at that point. So... Right. I think the him using Charlie's phone definitely made things speed up a little bit. It gave them another level of confirmation. Like, okay, there's a message connecting this Todd character to the couple that's missing. And also there's cell phone pings at his property. So that those two levels, right. I'm sure helped them get a search warrant a lot quicker. Oh God. Yeah. How, how, you can't deny a search warrant after that. Right. So they were uh, going to do some work at his property, as I had mentioned. Um, but when they got there on this occasion, he pulled out a gun and took them hostage before killing Charlie. Kayla described the details of her captivity. She says, uh, she was in the container nearly the entire time, except for when she was taken out for occasional walks. Uh, Todd even told Kayla that he had already picked out his next victim. Um, this was while she was in the ambulance, leaving, the, you know, she gets rescued, she's in the ambulance, and she says, quote, some girl named Holly, he's supposedly planning to kill if he can ever get her and her boyfriend out. So he'd picked out his God. next victims, and thankfully this had been stopped before it happened. Um, guns and large amount of wow. ammunition were seized from the property, he had what was described as an unbelievable amount of guns and ammo, and he frequently took target practice uh, in an area near the storage container. So imagine how scary that is if you're Kayla. Dude. You're in there and you're just hearing yes. him shooting on a regular basis, that wondering Dude, if you, know what this you were the next target, you know? You know, this reminds me of a few cases that we've done. For one, the Pictons, right? With the, with the big property yeah. that they would bring people back mm-hmm. in hopes that they would work for them or whatever. And then there's another case that I did on Sandu, um, and it was the uh, missing indigenous family. Mm-hmm. The whole family went missing, and the mother and father um, went to work on a farm for a guy. Yep, yep. I remember that one. Who allegedly was, you know, just going to pay him, and never, yeah, never seen he again. Offed him, and and it's still unsolved. Yeah. They didn't even find the guy. Yeah. At dude, and like this is just like that. Yep. This is just like it. Hopefully, that guy slips up soon too. Yep. 
Yeah, be careful who you work for, man. If he's if he's a weirdo with a giant property and he's super into guns no. and making violent it's, jokes all the time. Yeah, definitely. Especially if they're the only one. Like if you go to this huge property and there's just one person there. Yeah. It's like no it's like there's no one here to maintain this. No one's helping you with this. There's not you don't really have this business and this this whole farm system that you say. Mm-hmm. Man, you got to get the fuck out of there. Right. Not <laughs> like, worth it. Something shady's going on. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so Todd made frequent online posts about moving around rocks and trimming trees at the rural property, according to his Facebook post. Quote, he wrote a post about news reports on missing people, reading the news. Oh, so this is what he wrote on, on his Facebook yeah. page about news reports on missing people. Quote, reading the news, the missing, the person missing, that person missing, another person missing. Oh, wait, that person just went to the beach with a friend. Other person found with their parole violation boyfriend. In the event I become missing, please note, no one would take me. I eat too much and I am crabby. Wow. This is pretty sadistic right here. Seriously. Trying to play down the fact that people are missing in your area when you're taking them. You're taking them, but no one (laughs) would take you because you're crabby and you eat too much. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure that's He's not wrong there. Who would ever abduct this fucking weirdo? That's true. <laughs> He's that's not abducted. It'd be like one of those situ- <laughs> It'd be one <laughs> of those situations where it'd be one of those situations where he'd be like, "How do you know I'm not a serial killer?" <laughs> you know? Right. It'd be the whole, well, the chances of two serial killers being in the car. Right. You know, slim to none. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that See post that was written about 2 weeks after the couple disappeared in August. So he actually had Kayla Brown in his captivity when he made that Facebook post. Following his arrest, Sheriff Chuck Wright described Todd as calm and polite. After his arrest, he begged the sheriff to allow him to tell his mother, Regina Teague, what he had done before she heard it from someone else. She, in turn, tried to tell her son's story on 48 Hours. So you get a a real sense for his upbringing and his mother constantly defending his terrible, violent behavior as it always being someone else's fault. And you get a glimpse into, you know, how a serial killer, one way that they can be made. And in my opinion, his mother played a large role in how he became, always excusing his terrible behavior. Um, and and yep. listen to this. She's in being interviewed by David Begnod from uh, 48 Hours. I'm sure I butchered his last mm-hmm. name. David Benod, we'll say that. Um, and this is the interview. So you got Regina, which is Todd's mom. She's talking to this 48 Hours interviewer. Regina. I'm sorry, mom. So this is Todd talking to his mom. Uh, The interviewer says, did he cry? She says, "Mm mm-hmm. His eyes looked horrible. They were bulging out of his face and they were red. Todd is not a monster. He's never been a monster. He's not even close to it. Uh, I want to say something to the people that I have hurt. I want the world to know that he's not a bad person. He's a good person. The interviewer says, why did he chain that girl up? She says, because he didn't know what what to do at that point. She says, she saw... Uh, evidently saw him kill the other guy, her boyfriend, and he didn't know what to do with her. He couldn't turn her loose. She'd go to the police. So did he chain? So he chained her up, says the interviewer. Mm-hmm. She says he tried to make her as comfortable as possible. He had a dilemma. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> seriously, you see how she's defending his behavior every step of the way. He's got a woman in his captivity who he was raping on a regular basis, and he had shot her boyfriend five times. And you know, his mother is still defending his behavior as though it's mother's like their fault their kids, somehow man. or society. A mother's fault. love, yeah, um, unmatched. Yeah, uh, she says that uh, Todd promised her that he did not abuse Kayla, and in fact, he treated her well. Uh, she says, "I want her to know that I'm how sorry I am, and that I think Todd is too." Because he didn't want to hurt her. He just didn't know what to do. 
Uh, the interviewer says, mm-hmm. why did he kill her boyfriend? She says, because it got he got nasty, mad, and smart mouth, and Todd had hired him to do some stuff, and Todd pays well. And the, the guy got mouthy about it, and from what I gathered, he had sent some smart things to Todd, and I guess Todd shot him. <laughs> That's how people handle me, stuff. Man. Yep. Wow. 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 Unbelievable. You know, so like you teach your kids, like if someone's being nasty to you, you know, just, you know, walk away. You don't need to be around that person or whatever. Like it's exactly, they've just, they've got low self-esteem or whatever. You know, this is how we teach our kids to deal with this stuff. You know, whereas his mother's saying, well, you you know, you shot him, but he did say some mean things to you. So it is what it is. I guess he had it coming. Wow. I, I don't, I just don't see how attacking anyone over words is ever acceptable. Right. Like, especially not to this point, as far as killing them. Yep. You know what I mean? I, I just don't, I don't understand that. I mean, I guess if somebody, you know, disponges your name really badly in public and ruins your reputation and shit like that, I, I see how people sometimes will get angry and get revenge if everything's taken from them wrongfully. Um, but as far as just a just a nasty, mad, smart mouth. <laughs> like this guy does not. And, I don't care how smart and mouth. Out of he was, Todd's mouth, you would come to find out shot. that that wasn't even the case. Ah, um, uh, figures. Yeah, I, from what I understand, yeah. Charlie and Kayla, according to Todd, which take take it with a grain of salt because it's Todd's, you know, take on things. But he said that they were arguing that day when they got to his property, and oh, I'm sure he was more annoyed with Kayla. Todd was than he was with Charlie, but he ch- shot Charlie anyway because obviously he had more he could do with. Kayla than he could Charlie. Charlie was useless to him. Yeah. Um, and he was infatuated yes, with Kayla and probably wanted her from the beginning. He was. That was the whole yeah, point. That was like, why he was getting, that's to... why he chose them specifically yeah. to clean his property. It was for Kayla, not right. because of Charlie. Yeah. Get rid of all these fucking excuses. Yeah. So the, the interviewer for 48 Hours wraps it up with, is that how your son handles his anger? He just killed people when they mistreated him? And Regina, Todd's mother, said, never before, which is a crock of mm-hmm. bullshit because she knows his violent past I mean, he had, uh-huh. he had stabbed, we'll get into it. We'll get into his upbringing a little bit more. Yeah. But in a series of candid confessions, Todd Kolop stunned investigators by admitting to seven different murders. He agreed to walk his property with police and point out where he had buried Charlie, as well as several other of his victims. Those that remained on his property were not his only victims, however. And so let's go into Todd mm. Christopher Kolop, his upbringing, and go through the rest of his murders. He uh, had murdered at least seven people between 2003 and uh, 2016. He was born on March 7th, 1971, and shares a birthday with Brian Cranston and Jenna Fisher. Whoa, not deserving. No, no. Right, Pam from The Office? Pam from The Office. And Brian Cranston? And, and, uh, freaking Breaking freaking Bad, Walter man. White. Mr. White. Walter White. Yeah. Man, what a crew. What a crew there. Two of my favorite shows, too. Yeah. Two of my favorite shows all time right there. 100%. Yeah, Breaking I agree. Bad I agree 100% on that. Yeah. Fantastic shows. Yeah, those are both shows that when they're on, you can't look away. You're just right. absorbed. And they just took The Office off Netflix. We should protest. We should get a, 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 a what do you call it? A thing that everyone signs. Isn't it? On, I think it's on Peacock. <laughs> Isn't like Peacock like a free streaming service or something? You could watch it on there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Peacock is a free streaming service. Yeah, I think you can watch it on there. Yeah, or I have I have Dish Network, so I just watch. It's always, always on cable. It's like, uh, I forget what channel it is, but it's like 24-7. It's just on, so. Oh, yeah. Those other other channels pick it up. TBS or something, reruns. I think it's always running. Yeah, yeah, okay. So Todd was born to Regina and William Samsel in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, but he was raised in South Carolina and Georgia. His parents had a troubled marriage, and they divorced when Todd was still a baby. Um, Through his early years, he had no contact with his biological father. 
His mother married another man when Todd was three, and he basically hated his stepfather. Um, his stepfather had made uh-huh. his adoption legal in 1976, giving him the last name Kolip. So it was through his adopted father that he obtained that name. Todd never liked his stepfather and allegedly suffered abuse at his hand. Um, his mother could not accept this and ended up divorcing and remarrying the same man twice. However, all Todd wanted was to live with his biological father. So hated the stepfather, so she wanted to be with his real dad. Could- Right, and the mother hated the abuse of the stepfather, so she just takes breaks from him. I'm sure <laughs> she did. I'm sure she made the same excuses for this abusive man that she did for her son later. You know, uh, like, oh, he was just angry at the time. I, I was probably asking for it, or yeah. Todd, young Todd was probably you know being you know he probably deserved it. He was being bad right. or whatever. Just always making excuses for. I got you. Terrible That's, behavior. Yeah, sounds accurate. Um, yeah. Todd began showing troubling signs as an early as early as preschool. He showed severe signs of emotional and mental instability. He was violent towards other children and destroyed school property in sudden fits of anger. He was basically the worst version of a kid who, when he doesn't get what he wants, lashes out. And then it's never, like, that that behavior never got corrected. Um, it, right. it was basically justified. The other person was always wrong in his mother's eyes. Um, and one example was on the school bus one day, Todd stabbed a young girl on her thigh with a pair of scissors. The mother in a later quote said it wasn't that deep though <laughs> oh my god <laughs> mom that's not me, the issue oh my god like, that, i just not can't get that over that deep, one though holy shit yeah he stabbed a girl yeah. on the school bus but it wasn't that deep that's that's enabling at its best right there <laughs> holy shit holy, or at its worst right oh my god yep. wasn't that deep what's up creepers i want to tell you about our sponsor every plate with every plate, experience fuller plates and fuller wallets with America's best value meal kit. Get meals you'll enjoy and your bank account will love delivered right to your door, contact free. Getting dinner on the table daily used to be a challenge. Now let every plate plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a delightful price. I have to admit, at first I was skeptical thinking meal kits might be expensive, but now I'm convinced you can get the same deliciousness at a much lower price. So a couple of meals my family and I enjoyed this week from every plate was cowboy skillet pie with poblano and jalapeno peppers and smoky paprika pork chops with green beans and potato wedges. So nice when you have young kids to come home and just be able to cook up a meal that's basically pre-proportioned and planned out for you. You just follow the cards and it turns out delicious. Try every plate for just $1.99 per meal plus an additional 20% off your next two boxes by going to everyplate.com and entering code creeper199. That's C-R-E-E-P-E-R-199. Everyplate.com. Enter code CREEPER199. At the age of nine, he was sent to a mental facility where it was found that he had, quote, explosive and already preoccupied, oh, explosive behavior and was already preoccupied with sexual thoughts and desires. He was excessively cruel towards animals. This is checking all the boxes right now. Uh, Oh, man, right? It's just a list. Yeah. It is said that he once hunted down a dog uh, with a gun and killed it. Um, he also killed a goldfish with bleach because he didn't want it anymore. So Wow. Well, why don't you just do what other kids do and forget about it? Yeah. Just fucking put, leave go, it in your room. Go put it in a pond or something or flush it. Right. I don't know. But I don't know what you do. Don't freaking pour bleach in it. He just wanted to see what happened. It wasn't because he didn't want it anymore. That's probably what his mom said. Yeah. Oh, he just didn't want it anymore. He didn't know what to do with it. Yeah, I think actually putting a goldfish in a pond is quite a problem because then they just like multiply and take over the ecosystem and shit. So yeah, maybe don't do that. Maybe just let the fish live and just throw some flakes in there every now and then. You don't necessarily have to like stare at it all day. Just 
What is it hurting to sit on the counter and just How let it How hard live? is it to take care of a fish? Seriously, you drop some flakes in and you're done for the day, for All God's right. sakes. Especially a, especially a goldfish, they eat their own algae and shit. Yeah. Like they're, they keep their own tank clean. They're literally, they're the fish of choice for like children and stuff because they're so hardy. Like they, Yes. They're almost hard to kill yeah, exactly. sometimes. <clears throat> Not for Todd. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a little bleach does the trick, I guess. Uh, yeah, apparently. Um, he was hard to control and manage even before reaching his teenage years. Eventually, his mother decided to send him away to his biological father. His father uh, was obsessed with guns and had multiple girlfriends. This is a perfect, you know, influence for young, uh, <laughs> right. angry, violent Todd. You know, introduce him to Just, his father, who was obsessed with guns right. and girls. That's perfect. Just the nudge he needed. Yeah, man. Right. It's like you're you're, oh, you're just putting his kid through serial killer school. You're just like teaching him, like, all right, this is the best way to become a menace to society and kill people. Right. And not only that, the kid already had some infatuation with his father for some reason, mm-hmm. I guess just because he wasn't Well, because he had never known him, yeah, and you're, I'm sure yeah, just curiosity. Yeah, because he'd never known and... him. Yeah, so he already had this infatuation and this need to get to know him and learn about him. But then once he did, so, you know, uh, it didn't last long. So Todd initially liked his, his uh, biological father, but he soon got angry with his ways and means and Todd requested his mother to take him back, but it is said that his mother made excuses to extend her stay or his stay with his biological father, and she would later say this was because she was afraid of him. He had threatened to kill his mother at least once, and she basically passed him off on his father and was afraid to take him back. Wow. Yeah. She'd, created a, she'd helped create a monster. I can't blame it entirely on, on his mother, but I, I think it was nature and nurture for sure in this scenario. In this scenario. No doubt. No doubt. So despite all of his anger issues, Todd was considered a bright student with above average intelligence. It's just a ultimate scary serial killer because he, he was he was smart. You see, he was very mm-hmm. successful in business later on uh, as a realtor yeah, like and a business are. owner. Many of them are. Um, his, known, his, his first known serious crime occurred when he was a teenager. In 1986, when Todd was 15, he decided to kidnap and rape a girl who was a year younger than him. Um, the victim was a 14-year-old uh, girl who lived in Tempe and that Todd had been obsessing over. Uh, so he wanted this girl. He couldn't have her, and so he took her. He kidnapped her from her house, tied her with a rope, brought her to his place where he brutally raped her. He's 15, and he's abducting a, wo- a girl from, from her house who's only a year younger than him. Unreal. If that is not a fucking red flag, Seriously. I don't know what is. Seriously. This kid is broken at 15 years old. Yeah. This is sad, man. Mm-hmm. He further threatened her siblings if she told anybody. He said that he'd kill her family, basically. Um, but thankfully, she reported it nonetheless. The rape was uh, wisely still reported, and Todd was apprehended by the police. And upon being interrogated, he said that he had committed the crime unwillingly. It was. It, he said it was in his way of rebellion against his abusive father, who was mostly absent, even when Todd lived with him. And of course, his mother came riding in to support him. His mother came in oh, with, in support of her son and wrote a heartfelt letter to the probation officer asking him to take it easy on Todd as Todd was aware of what he had done and felt guilty about it. So what? He should. <laughs> he abducted a girl what from her hell? house and held her captive. And re- like, oh my God. Oh my God. He felt bad about it though, oh. you know? Just like the girl he, he stabbed, uh, not that deep, you know? Listen, sir, he, he was having a bad day that day. He feels really bad about it. Come on, get the hell out. Unbelievable. Um, the charge of sexual assault was dropped, and Todd was sentenced to ki- to prison for kidnapping instead. God damn it! Seriously, like he raped this girl, and you drop that charge? But like, he, how do you drop that? I I don't get it. But he still had to be registered as a sex offender, yes. though. Which which he later right. joked about in like when he owned his own real estate company or whatever. He 
joked about mm-hmm. it. The fact that he was on it, he was a registered sex offender and he didn't tell people the details of it, of course. But uh, yeah, right. he made a, made a joke out of it and it obviously didn't slow him down from becoming a successful real estate agent. Oh, hell no. So as you mentioned, he had been registered as a sex offender and was sent to prison. He did spend 15 years for this crime, to be fair. He, he spent some serious time behind bars. It, wow. Yeah. So he got out at 30. Yeah. So he's- Holy the, shit. The early part of his life, he spent half of in prison. Still didn't help. In 1987, a psychiatric exam in prison revealed that he was a man with a superior intelligence and that his highly antisocial personality had caused him to become a menace. Maricopa County Judge uh, Kimball Rose ordered that Colip's case should be transferred out of the juvenile system because his offenses had been committed in an aggressive, violent, obvious, premeditated, and willful manner, according to the court document. They they really did see him for what he was. Thankfully, the courts yeah. and and you know the justice system did. I think they did everything they could. Fifteen years for a kid who's fifteen years old. He spent from fifteen to thirty, yeah. and they didn't put him in the juvenile system. They put him in prison. So. Uh, here's a quote from the judge as well. At at less than the age of nine, this juvenile was impulsive, explosive, and preoccupied with sexual content. He has not changed. He has not been uh, unabatedly aggressive. He has been unabatedly aggressive to others and destructive of property since nursery school. The judge's ruling said, quote, he destroys his own clothing, personal possessions, and pets apparently on a whim and caprice. And, what's that word? Caprice? I don't know. Caprice, yeah. Okay. Approximately six years of intervention and 15 years of life have resulted in abysmal failure. 25 months of the most intensive and expensive professional intervention, short of God's will, provide no protection for the public and no rehabilitation of this juvenile by any services or facilities presently available to the juvenile court. He said there's no hope for his yes, ass. Like, That's what he said. This is like a Michael Myers little fucking demon with black eyes. You can't Dude. do much about this motherfucker, basically. Where is... Where is this judge at, man? We need more judges like Seriously. this that can fucking see people's souls mm-hmm. at nine. He's right, though. At nine years old, this kid was impulsive, mm-hmm. explosive, yep. sexual. At nine years old. Mm-hmm. Like sexually deviant, rather. Yeah. Deviant. Yeah. So, and then at 15, it escalates to this. You really think it's going to get better as he becomes a grown-ass man? Right. Especially one that just spent 15 years since he did the crime around other criminals. Yeah. Like through his formative years. He spent all of his formative years in prison. Something has to be said about that as well. You well, know? he was raised with entirely no accountability. You know, everything he did, uh, he would lash out at people, at animals, and it was always excused. It was, the behavior was always excused. And so that's how you create this this monster like this. Yep. Absolutely. So a prison rehabilitation program had him earning a degree in computer science while in prison. This was supposed to provide him with a decent job on being released from prison in 2001. So he's in prison from, what, 86 to 2001. Uh, so to straighten out his crooked sensibilities and help him make a decent, uh, make into a hu- decent human being, they put him through this rehabilitation. They did everything they could. I mean, they locked it up for 15 years and they tried to rehabilitate him. Um, following his release from prison, Todd built a successful real estate firm with more than a dozen agents. So it looked as though, you know, all was good. It, it had worked. His time in prison, it, it, on all outward appearances, it looked as though he had gotten his act together and now he was yeah. su- successful. And um, the website for Todd's real estate company promised fast action for clients with a motto plastered across the page, quote, one company, one focus, results. Colip's bio on the site said that he studied computer science and business administration. 
he didn't, I'm sure he didn't. He left out that it was during his 15 years in prison for rape and abduction. But right, we'll leave you know, that's neither here nor there. Right. <laughs> the site <laughs> described Todd as a former professional graphic designer and a licensed pilot who drinks two pots of coffee a day. Quote does not understand what it can wait till tomorrow means and has way too much fun with a label maker. Oh, that's isn't his, he just? Isn't he just a playful, so cute, goofy right? old guy? Yeah. Just a big old teddy bear he is. How did he find time to get a fucking pilot's license? That's what I'm wondering. Like he was in prison for 15 years. Oh, I guess, shit. can you get that just while you're in prison? I I feel like a, getting a pilot's license requires some like hands-on shit, well, like learning well, how to actually fly a fucking plane. Well, when he got out of prison, I mean, he wasn't, he didn't establish he right this work, business man. immediately, right? Yeah. I mean, it probably took a year or two. And of course, over yeah. that time, he probably got a pilot license. He probably did it to go uh, check out properties and real estates. Yeah. Well, at least that's what he would want people to think. Yeah. You know he bought this fucking property. of So around this time, you know, he's, he's got this successful real estate business and stuff. He buys a nearly 100-acre property of land and erected a fence around it. It was said to have cost $80,000. You know that's he bought this property with <laughs> these dark intentions yeah. in mind of, oh, adu- God, of abducting yeah. people and yeah, murdering. A- he had some... Some high, lofty goals uh, as a future serial killer. Yeah, it would it would definitely seem that way. Yeah. <laughs> so he's got this successful real estate business. He's got this hundred acre property. He's got a pilot's license, and we get to his first murders in two thousand three. The Superbike Motorsports uh, Company was a was a small business that you know tended to your your needs as right. a motorcycle rider. It was a high-performance motorcycle shop in Chesney, South Carolina. Yep. Uh, we talked a little bit about this at the beginning. It became a household name for South Carolina residents after a quadruple homicide that occurred there in 2003. And up yeah, until Todd, Todd Colop's yeah, up until Todd Colop's confession in 2016, it was one of the most haunting unsolved murders in the state. And you mentioned your parents had talked about this one before yes. you knew this case. Yes, Chesney. Chesney's only like forty minutes from me. It's just forty minutes south of here. It's not far at all. Wow. I actually worked with guys that that lived in Chesney. They were farmers, and they also did contracting work and stuff. And I, mm-hmm. I, I went out to their property and stuff. Like they, obviously, they were really good guys. Stand up. You, you need to take a drive out there and I'm drive so by it because now the motorcycle shop is it's been closed for a long time, and it's kind of like it out. looks like it's covered in weeds and got to okay. have an eerie vibe to it. Oh, I'm sure it does. I'm sure, yeah, it's been boarded up since, right? I mean, because he, mm-hmm. he killed everybody inside. Mm-hmm. Ah, damn. Yep. So, and so there was another triple homicide that occurred, like, just minutes from there as well that he would later be, get linked to, and mm-hmm. he claims he didn't do, but that was another group that I'm sure you heard about, the bank the bank yes. murders, which we'll talk about later. But So as far as the, the uh, Superbike Motorsports murders... Um, Noel, who was a friend of the f- store owner, Scott Ponder, drove to the bike shop on the morning of no- November 6, 2003, and found the bodies of all four employees that were working that day. 30-year-old Scott Ponder, 30-year-old Brian Lucas, 26-year-old Chris Sherbert, and 52-year-old Beverly Guy. Chris Sherbert was bent over as though he were working on a bike, and he was shot and killed right there. Beverly Guy, a bookstore keeper, was shot while leaving the bathroom, and Chris Ponder and Brian Lucas were shot found, uh, were found shot near the front of the store. Authorities had traced a number of leads in the case, including potential connections to other murders in neighboring towns, but each of them went cold. Um, so 13 years, this case would sit uh, just haunting this county yeah. and no one knowing, you know, some basically it was some sort of a disgruntled customer or something. 
and someone had just walked in and cold-blooded murdered all of the employees there. Luckily, there were no customers in there at the time or else it would have been even worse. Um, Todd would later confess to the killings after being captured, um, you know, having Kayla on his property and whatnot. Uh, he would confess to the killings and was charged with four counts of murder in that case. Quote, I've never done anything to anybody that didn't have it coming, Cole yeah, told you, oh detectives. God. But you don't get to decide that, Todd, Cole. Yeah. Right, you're ah, not God, damn. bro. I can't stand that 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 phrase, man. You hear that so many times. He killed nobody. That, he had it coming. That, it's like, well, who, who it decides? It comes back to his upbringing, dude. The accountability and whatnot. It's yes, like he was, no, his, his behavior was excused. If someone was mean to Todd, he got to lash out in anger at them. That was that was yep. the fair thing to do. Yep, yep. You're right, and he was supported he was, in doing that. That behavior was always justified. Hundred percent. According to according to Todd's mother, he attempted to run, return his motorcycle there, but the employees laughed at him would not return the money he had paid for the motorcycle and embarrassed him for not knowing how to ride one. It all began, Colop says, after he bought a motorcycle and he admits he could not ride. He says he went back and asked the store's employees for help. Todd says, quote, I told them that I was having a hard time riding it and I was trying to see if I could possibly trade it in for a smaller bike. They proceeded to give me on the rude side about it, uh, my inability to ride that kind of bike. No one ever taught me. Days later, the motorcycle was stolen, according to Todd, and he felt that someone at the superbike shop was involved. Quote, it was implied that we took your shit, Todd says. After his arrest, Todd told his mother the experience left him feeling humiliated. Oh, poor Todd. Can't you know, ride he a motorcycle. murdered all of these people. If I shoot everybody, I'll feel a lot better. Yeah. So this is his mother, Regina, about this instance. And they made fun of him, and they laughed at him, made jokes at him. He was hurt. So on a quiet afternoon in 2003, Todd sought revenge. He picked up, uh, picked out a bike to uh, to buy in the superbike store, and when the mechanic went into the back room to prepare it, Colip followed him in, pulled out a Beretta from his shoulder holster, and we know the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, continued to murder the that uh, mechanic and the other three employees working that day. Today, the building that housed Superbike Motorsports is shuttered and surrounded by a chain link fence along with uh, along a two-lane, two-lane highway leading toward the Blue Ridge Mountains. So it's an eerie wow. sight now. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I can't, I just can't believe that he was able to kill four people, you know? Maybe there was a lot yeah. of noise going on in there and... You yeah, know, and I don't think it was directly next to anything. It wasn't like in a shopping mall. It was... A standalone building. No, I'm just uh, saying, surrounded like, by what looked like like kind of woods and stuff. So if there were no customers there at the time, which Todd, according to Todd, he waited for customers to leave to where it was just employees there. Oh, what okay. a nice guy, you know? Yeah, um, real saint. But I think that was more just so he wouldn't get caught than anything else. I don't think he gave a shit about killing anybody. Well, you know, he still killed uh, Beverly, who was there. She was a bookstore owner. She didn't work at the shop. Right, but she may have, in his own mind, played a role in, in his humiliation or something along those lines. Yeah. Wow. Okay. okay. So during the years that followed, Colop was uh, single, lived in an upscale home, drove a BMW, and had his pilot's license, but there was no doubt that he had a dark side. After investigators located the body of Charlie Carver, Todd told detectives that the other two bodies he had buried on his land were a young couple, a uh, young married couple named Megan and Johnny Joe Cox, Coxie. So they found... Charlie's body buried where he had said he'd buried it. And they also found this, this uh, couple yeah. that he had also killed. He revealed in his confession that he had crossed paths with Megan and Johnny Joe Cox, Coxie when they were down on their luck. Megan worked as a waitress at the local Waffle House, of which Todd frequented. And the staff was basically freaked out by him. Like the, the female um, waitresses 
would have the the male cooks come out and and uh, take his order and stuff because he freaked them out so much. Oh, yeah, that speaks yeah. volumes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could tell they were getting those vibes, and if he frequented it too, and you know he was just sitting there staring at them too, because in Waffle yep. House, you know, you could see everybody in mm-hmm. the in the restaurant the entire time. He's just yep. probably staring at them taking orders and everything. Mm. Yep. And so Megan and Johnny Joe Coxie, being down on their luck, they would unfortunately agree to uh, Todd's offer to have them clean up his property and pay them. I'm sure he offered to pay pretty well just so he could get them there. Quote, mm-hmm. I picked them up and I drove them to my land to get some supplies and got them down to my building. And that's when Johnny pulled out a knife and I shot him. Yeah, right. That's that's a lot of bullshit. <laughs> yeah, right. Why would he pull out a knife? Why would he rob you? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I don't even make no sense. The detective says, okay, and you shot her? Todd says, not exactly. It was December 2015, about a year before Kayla was rescued, and Colop says that he held Megan in the same shipping container where he later chained Kayla. Quote, I didn't know what to do with her, man. On one side, I really wanted to drop her. The next day, the next side, I was, this is going to sound fucked up, but I kind of wanted to save her ass. He says he bought Megan cigarettes, pizza, and even her favorite soda. But after about a week, she, uh, he said she became too hard to control and he felt the easiest way for, for him was to kill her. He says, quote, walked her outside and put a forty caliber in the back of her head. Detective says, what, did, what gun did you shoot her with? He says, same one. Detective says that you shot Johnny with. He says, and that's a, uh, yes, and he says, that's a Glock. That's the same one you shot Charlie. He says, yes, it's my favorite gun. It's just really effective. So 40 caliber Glock used for most of these murders because it's such an effective gun. And I'm sure he left an Amazon review if that's where he bought it. I don't know if you can buy a Glock on Amazon. I don't think so. Uh, but Not anymore. Whatever gun website <laughs> he bought it from, I'm sure he, he left a could review. Early 2000s. Who knows? Yeah. Shit. Less than a year later, on August 30th, 2016, Colop says he invited Kayla Brown to his sanctuary. She asked if her boyfriend, Charlie Carver, could come along, and Colop agreed. But he uh, says he got a little testy when the two began bickering in front of him. The detective says, quote, what made you shoot Charlie? He says, I don't know how to answer that. I don't know how to answer that, honestly. Todd says, I was angry at her. I wasn't angry at him. It just went very quickly. After he killed Charlie Carver, Todd kept Kayla alive as a sex slave for the two months before she was rescued. Um, she believes Todd did not kill her because it seemed as she told Dr. Phil. So yeah, she would later be interviewed by Dr. Phil and we'll get some quotes from that as well. Right. Um, she says that, uh, he was inferior, infatuated with her and that's what kept her alive. Yeah. So I think he was, there, he was from the beginning. Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. That's why he brought her to that place in the first place. Yeah. So in the interview with Dr. Phil, we'll get some, uh, some information here. Dr. Phil says, how did he seem infatuated? Kayla says, I mean, he let me know that it was his property, that he chose me. He told me how beautiful and smart I was and stuff like that. Dr. Phil says, did you respond when he said these things to you? She says, not at first, later on. I realized that I had to stay alive in order to be found. So I made him think whatever I had to, to stay alive and keep him from abusing me. Uh, But if you ask Colip, he'll tell you that all the sex was consensual. This motherfucker. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, th- this is, this is where you really get into If it's consensual, why she got chains on? <laughs> yeah. If you don't hate him yet, if you don't hate this dude, if you don't hate this dude with every bit of your soul, then you're about to, I promise. Yeah. So Todd says, the only problem I have with any of this is I'm not going to accept Kayla's rape. That's not going to happen. That's I'll fight. We'll go to jury. I won't win, but I'll make it extremely, extremely costly. And that's because he believed that she actually liked him, you know, and that, uh, their sex was basically consensual and he wouldn't accept rape charges. He would accept all these murder charges, mm-hmm. but you know, the sex she wanted apparently, 
you know wow. not not because she wanted to stay a fucking live you know oh no of course not of course not. I had nothing to do with it nothing yeah. to do with the fact that she couldn't even leave the area mm-hmm. nothing to do yeah. with that either <clears throat> no she's chained to a wall i mean come yeah on. yeah let's get into some of his amazon product reviews we've oh, alluded to those a little bit Todd began leaving reviews in 2014 on Amazon, right around the same time he purchased the property on which he committed uh, many of his crimes. For a shovel with a folding handle that he had purchased, the other uh, the user posted a review suggesting, quote, keep in car for when you have to hide the bodies you left the full-size shovel at home. For a knife that he purchased on Amazon, he said, quote, haven't stabbed anyone yet, yet, but I am keeping the dream alive, and when I do, it will be with a quality tool like this. Wow. Uh, on the purchase of a padlock from Amazon, he said, solid locks. I ha- have five on shipping container. Won't stop them, but sure will slow them down if they are too old to care. Until they're too old to care. And, oh, is it until they're... Okay, yeah. yeah. Wow, that's that's even worse. <laughs> like, yeah. How, there how were, long has he kept people in there, you know? Yeah. I mean, if, if this well, is a regular Kayla, thing, two months, for sure, and then... Um, uh, who's the other the other uh, girl that he ended up killing? Yeah, the the couple before them. Yeah, Megan. Um, Megan, yeah, Meg- I think was in. He said two weeks she was in there, but who knows, okay. man? It could. Who knows? So there were 140 reviews linked to Todd's account. They cover tactical vests, carabiner, uh, carabiners, gun magazine pouches, weapon mount, weapon mounts, and emergency medical kits as well uh, kits as well as books about repelling snipers and emergency war surgery. Another other reviews were for electronics, dog toys, music, and DVDs of The Walking Dead. Of course, he would love that show. <laughs> of course, it's a good show. To be honest, I mean, yeah. it's pretty. It's pretty amazing writing. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. over it, but it, I remember it was amazing when it came out. Yeah. <laughs> Some more uh, quotes that really give you a glimpse into this psychopath's psyche. Quote: My golf game was weak. My kill game is strong. And he proceeded to laugh hysterically after Who that. Who was talking to him about golf? I wonder. I wonder what. I, I don't think anyone was. He just brought. He just felt the need to to brag about how good he was at killing. You know. Oh. Okay. It, also, his motorcycle game is weak as well. Yeah, he doesn't like- know how to ride <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Todd. You know, he didn't look like a small guy. That's what's funny. Is like he brought this motorcycle back because it was too big for him. He needed a smaller one. It's like, dude, he was a big dude. Like I can't yeah. imagine him like big, like big, like really overweight. Get him a get him uh, a, a Honda Rebel. <laughs> 200 cc honda rebel yeah (laughs) that thing will be fucking squatting right so despite all the confessions todd still needed to be heard in the court of law and he was up front when he asked uh what a fitting end to his story might be by detectives they said i mean all joking aside all kidding what do you want todd said take me out back shoot me in the back of the head fair enough thankfully police would not oblige him in this request he would have to suffer more than that that'd be the easy way out yeah that would be you're right so on may 26 2017 Todd pleaded guilty to seven counts of murder, two counts of kidnapping, and one count of criminal sexual assault, and was sentenced to seven consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole. Although his defense uh, swore that the, at his sentencing that there were no other victims to be found, Todd has since repeatedly admitted that there were at least two other victims, um, and has has even alluded to there being many more than that, um, because mm-hmm. he bragged about how he had a private pilot's license and that he could leave the state, leave the country. And right. kill there, and it'd be hard to connect him to them. Yes, um, and that's a good point. That now that's a real reason why he would be motivated to get a private pilot's license. Yes, he did want to. He had like numbers in his head that he wanted to hit these marks of. You know, he wanted to be a ultra successful serial killer. He 
had uh, lofty goals there. Wow, sickening. Um, so there was a triple homicide that was really close, strikingly close to the Superbike Motors murders. And in time and in location, um, there was a set of triple, there was a, a triple homicide that had occurred on May 16th, 2003, which was only six months before the Superbike murders. Yeah. And this was only, it was, where was it? It was 30 miles away from the Superbike Motorsports. Yeah, Greer uh, is not far away at all. Greer, South Carolina. No. That's not far away at all from Chesney. They're super close. I know people in those areas had to be freaking the fuck out. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And I mean, so there we was, were 30 minutes away, and my parents I, were visibly shaken. So, yeah. That's yeah, great. so the shooting on May 16th, 2003, sent a ripple across the community as Sylvia Holtzclaw, Ebb, and Meg, Maggie Barnes were slain in broad daylight, the first triple hump murder in Greer's history. Money was taken from the bank. So this was at the uh, Blue Ridge Savings Bank mm-hmm. in Greer. And money was taken from the bank, confirming that the motive was bank robbery. Ebb Barnes was a retired physics professor, and his wife, Margaret Barnes, had been customers there at the time of the shooting. Holt's Claw was a bank teller. They all died from gunshot wounds from a 40 caliber Glock. Wow. Which we That's now we know is Todd's favorite gun to kill with. Yeah. This happened six months before the Superbike murders and only 30 miles away. Um, so mm-hmm. when questioned about the case, however, Todd denied any involvement. Um, he alluded to more victims in other states and countries. In a letter to the lo- local newspaper, he said, Thank you, private pilot's license. Hmm. Hmm. So. He could be bullshitting man. about that too. Who knows? I mean, you can't drive a motorcycle, oh, I think but you can fly a plane. The, I think he's bullshitting about murders involving his plane and whatnot. I, yeah, I, don't see I think it, he is but, too. But I, mean, I, I see no reason why he would deny the the Blue Ridge Saving Bank triple homicide because he he on his own accord coped to the Superbike murders. No one even had even thought to link him to that. Right. He came out right away and said he had done that and took took credit for it. So why would he, he's already getting six consecutive license. He already likes being known as a monster that kills people. So I just don't see any reason to believe that he didn't, or that he, you know, that he's lying about this savings bank uh, triple homicide. So. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. It does seem to fit the mold. It does seem to fit the gun, the location, um, the, the cold and callous manner of it. All seems to fit, but I just don't see why he would deny doing it. It seems like he would want to take credit for it. Yeah, I agree. I don't know why either. The four, I mean, but I don't know. It, it, killing for money didn't seem like his MO either, though, as a robbery. But yeah. he may have. And maybe that's why he doesn't want to admit to it, because that's the only one where he has no line of defense. He can't say, oh, well, the bank angered me, or mm-hmm. they did this, or they yeah, said it was that. Three helpless old people. Right. And you obviously killed them to rob the bank. And he yeah. just, there's no excuse for that. I think even his mama couldn't come up with an excuse for that. So right, I think that's why he won't take credit for it. Yeah. So let's end this case with an inspiring quote from Kayla Brown on her Dr. Phil appearance. He asked, if he's watching this right now, what do you have to say to him? Kayla said, I would just tell him that no matter what he did to me, he did not break me. He cannot destroy who I am, and I won. Beautiful. <laughs> Right on, Kayla. Yeah, right on. And that and does it. Deserves that does it for this case. Life. Case. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I know we did. Wow, that incredible case, man. Yeah. I've heard a lot about this guy, of course, um, but like always, you always find some shit that I haven't heard. Man, did a great job researching this one for real, especially the Amazon reviews and stuff. Like yeah. that was stuff I hadn't seen. Uh, yeah, that's just 
Right. That's great shit. That's, that's one good thing about these more recent cases is there's so much of a trail out there for people. It's like it's hard to exist from 2000 to 2020 and not have some type of some type of internet presence, whether it be on social media or shopping sites or you know forums or something. You know, right. And it's cool to have that stuff to go back and look look at, and it just makes these cases that much more insightful. I think. Yep. But. I want to give right. a, a happy late birthday wish to Casey Leftwich. Her boyfriend hit us up and asked that uh, if we could please give her a shout out for her birthday. So happy birthday. Yeah, why not? Happy birthday, Casey. We appreciate appreciate both of y'all listening. I hope you guys uh, are wearing some Oh My Guy. Oh, yeah. Right? Because I sure am. Rocking some Egyptian musk today. Oh My Gaia is an innovative, all-natural deodorant, fragrance, and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum-free products. Their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor-causing bacteria while maintaining effectiveness. At Oh My Gaia, they use only all-natural paraben and aluminum-free organic ingredients. Guys, there's definitely a scent to uh, tickle your fancy. From vanilla to cherry almond, sandalwood, lavender, lemongrass, Egyptian musk, coconut, dreamsicle, leather, lumberjack, honeysuckle, fireside, uh, bergamot amber, pear, barbershop, and we have our very own scent called True Crime Pine. Now, don't get me wrong, that's not all the scents, guys. There's always new scents being uh, rotated in. But we have our very own scent called True Crime Pine that was made for true crime guys. If you guys want to check that out, you can check that out at ohmygaia.com. And because you're True Crime Guys listeners, you can use the word creeper, C-R-E-E-P-E-R, for 15% off your order. That's at shop underscore ohmygaia on Instagram or ohmygaia.com. O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A dot com. I'm actually growing my beard out right now, so I've been using the beard oil again. Fantastic. Yeah. You liking it? Loving it. It makes what it nice and shiny and easy to maintain. What scent you Lumberjack, of course. Oh, of course. One of your all-time favorites. Yep. All right, let's take a minute to thank everybody who's gone and rated reviewed the show on iTunes this week. I want to say thank you to... Clyde's Bond in the U.S. said, love this podcast, easy to listen to, fun all day. Uh, then we got Mama Mama Bear uh, said, beyond obsessed, but not in a creepy way. Love you guys, been freeloading for some time now. We'll be signing up soon, possibly commit, possible commitment, commitment issues. Uh, seriously, though, love the bad accents, mispronounced words, and when you meander off topic, but it's totally cool because I'm right, always right there with you. Uh, right on, okay. right on. Thank you. And then we got, I love it when people don't take us too serious and when we joke around about. Yeah, because we uh, don't take us too freeloader serious. Freeloader and stuff. Yeah, I mean, but the freeloader thing, like it's, I don't know, just don't take it so personally. It's, it's just a joke. Oh, I know. I know. Whatever. We ain't stopping People get now. so worked up about that. It's crazy. I know. I know. They'll get over it. Then we got Grove Texas or Grove TX. Uh, this is a good listen. Compassion for victims and laughing and making fun of the perpetrators keeps the pod from being so dark. Keep up the good work. We got uh, SF, S. Farthing, S. Farthing, mm-hmm. uh, said, great podcast, love the way you tell the story, five stars, thank you. Then we got JM11, said, I listened to the newest and to the oldest, uh, enjoyed it all, I've laughed at your banter and love the accents. Oh yeah, they're, these are far, these are crime stories and I'm a crimeaholic, but I like your approach and details, now what am I going to listen to? <laughs> so Patreon. Becomes an issue when you binge it all up that fast. But I guess, yeah, there's there's Patreon with a ton of content on there, too, if you need more. Yep. Um, and then we got JMC Cowgirl. 
uh, says, long-time listener, y'all are one of my favorite, my go-to podcasts. Keep it up. Love you guys. Thank you, JMC Cowgirl. Right on. Thank you very much. Yep. All right. We got any others? That's it for uh, iTunes. And then All we'll right. have to we'll have to hit some of like uh, kind of the Stitcher and things like that, some of those reviews at some point. Yeah, we'll try to check some of those other avenues in yeah. the upcoming weeks. Yep. So, right. but if you do need more content, patreon.com slash true crime guys, two bucks a month, get you access to all of our exclusive episodes that are next week is a Patreon exclusive, correct? It is. Yes, Okay, it is. so if you're not on Patreon, you won't hear next week's episode. We also have at the $5 tier, we have Just the Banter. Um, we do that show every Friday. And lately, for like the last four or five episodes, we've been taking questions for topics. And yeah, they got it seem, it seems to quite be personal this week. We, we, we had, like talked about how we met our wives and our favorite song and all kinds of stuff on there this week. And yeah. it was an hour long. So yeah, if you want to get to know us a little bit more, check out Just the Banter on Patreon. Um, and you also get a gold creep van sticker, which is very prestigious. So yes, lots to have, lots to be, lots more if you can't get enough. Uh, lots more over there at Patreon. No doubt, no doubt. And if you've and if you've already signed up for Patreon, there you've already listened to everything True Crime Guys has to offer, and you haven't checked out Strange and Unexplained yet, then you haven't. True Crime Guys presents Strange the and Unexplained. one and only the Strange one. and Unexplained. <laughs> I wish it was, but it, <laughs> <laughs> but it is the OG. It is the OG, strange and unexplained. Um, yeah. By definition, I'm sorry. It is. I, I'm yeah. not going to stop saying that. Uh, it is the. We OG did it strange. first. Yeah, we did it first. I'm sorry. I searched for the name first. You know, that's what you do. But yep. anyway, strange and unexplained. Wherever you guys listen, um, you'll see the uh, the color palette matches the true crime guys. The new logo, the the orange and teal, and you'll see the uh, the old T Rex. Skeleton in the uh, logo, strange and unexplained. It's wherever you guys are listening on Spotify, iTunes, whatever. And there's also a Patreon page for Strange and Unexplained as well. Patreon.com/slash S and U podcast, and you guys can get access to another show that we do on there called Strange Shorts, um, as well as early access to episodes of uh, Strange and Unexplained. So, lots of stuff under the True Crime Guys umbrella that yeah, you buddy. guys can check out. And uh, if you've already checked out all that stuff, then you are a super fan. And you know what you should do? You should tell other people that you're a super fan with merch. TrueCrimeGuys.Threadless.com. We have tons of cool merch designs on there. I will be adding the new designs soon. So be on the lookout for those if you guys want one of the new uh, TV in the desert designs or, uh, or the new sand dude design as well. So stay tuned for that. All right. Anything else? That does it. We will see you guys next week on Patreon for a Patreon-exclusive episode. Who knows what we're going to do? I don't know yet, but it's going to be good. Yeah, I guarantee it. And we'll see you for Just the Banter on Friday as well. Absolutely. All right, guys. Keep creeping. We love you all. See you next week. Keep creeping, guys. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was True Crime Garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder, get murder, get True crime guys in the desert. We like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder charming. Yeah.